0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart.
1: Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, everyone. And for those of you who listen to the show all the time, you'll notice I changed up the order. I started with good afternoon, then good morning, then good evening, because Today, we're going live at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Eastern Time, so not my usual Tuesday mornings at 11, but the way the things worked out this week and the availability of the guests that I absolutely wanted to have on my show, we decided to switch things up. Well, I decided to switch things up and do the show today on on a Friday afternoon, which by the way, happens to be the day that is the beginning of my seventh year on the air, Doing the show. So seven years I've been doing it's all about the questions. And I love being with you here every week and getting to have you meet these incredible people that I've met along the way. And I know it's helped you because you've got the show to the top 3% globally of all podcasts so I can't thank you enough for listening for watching all of these years if you're following along on the live streams like we are now if you've got the video going thank you thank you thank you please feel free to comment in the chat if you are live with us on LinkedIn YouTube Facebook Twitter Twitch and several other places I appreciate you as my fans my listeners and I love all of the emails the social media posts everything that you send in about how my guests have helped you change your perspective and learn some new questions to ask. And today's guest is no different. I've got an incredible man on my show today, Dr. Dan Woodkowski, who is an OBGYN, for those of you who may not be familiar, that's obstetrics and gynecology, but his focus is women's health and lifestyle health. And he I met him through Marcella Allison and the Mentors Collective, which you've heard me mention before, and Marcella has been a guest on the show a few times talking about mentoring and entrepreneurship, and she's an incredible copywriter, but... She also has this wonderful group called the Mentors Collective, and Dan and his wife Pam were one of the speakers talking about how you can improve your health and have a better interaction with your doctor. So he's double board certified, has multiple certifications. So I'm going to bring Dan, Dr. Dan on camera right now so we can just dive right in because there are so many questions I have.
0: (laughs) Sure. Sounds great. It's great to be here, Laura.
1: It's great to have you. And I see you've got some great books in the background and all sorts of uh, stuff talking about power foods and plant foods. But I want to start out, Dan, because, you know, you have this, this background for a long time, delivering babies, taking care of women, and just being on literally the forefront of the moment somebody is born and they are on their health journey then from that moment and how a mom's life and health can change from that moment. Um, Do you feel that there is a missing link or some sort of commonality of when a path diverges from health to ill health that maybe you can share with us to help start off the conversation? Because I feel like we're missing something, but as a doctor for so many years, maybe you're you're seeing this, that we're not.
0: But it really wasn't in my... OBGYN practice that it all started. It was actually two years after my father died and I found his wallet. My wife and I, you know, cleaned out his apartment when he died and we moved all his stuff into the garage and it kind of sat there like it does for most people. And then two years later, as I'm going through some of his things, I find his wallet and 15 years before my father died, He had quintuple bypass surgery. You know, that's where the surgeon cuts the chest open and opens your chest and takes vessels from your leg to bypass the diseased vessels in your heart. So his heart was so diseased with vascular disease that he had to have vessels placed in there. uh, And a quintuple is really advanced. It was very, very sick. Two years before my father died. He had his leg amputated due to complications of diabetes and metabolic disease. He had this um, metabolic disease where his blood pressure was high. He had high cholesterol. He was overweight. He just multiple factors that led to his problems. But it was when I opened that wallet, Laura, that I found in the billfold a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper was the list of medications he was on when he died. Seventeen medications, you know, so many of them that not even he could remember all the medicines he was on.
1: That's and a lot of medicine.
0: I know, and that, that's like a part-time job just to keep track of when to take those medicines. When you know, when you run out, how do you get more of those medicines? Um, but when I found that list of medications, that's really when it hit me that wow, he was on all these medications. He wasn't a well man, and yet. None of his doctors, and he was being cared for right here in Boston at MGH, you know, man's greatest hospital, you know, Massachusetts General Hospital is what most people know it as. Um, And none of his doctors asked him about his lifestyle, about his nutrition, about what his goals were even in his life. Like, what did he want to do in five years, 10 years, 20 years? My father. He loved like to, uh, to explore. I can remember so many times, even as a young boy, we would go on these car rides like every Sunday in the countryside or car rides up and down the coast because he would love to explore with my mother and his family what, what's happening in, in his neighborhood. And he loved to dance. I mean, my father and mother could cut a rug. And even during our wedding, their, the polka dancing that they were doing was, was the best ever.
1: Um, it was such an amazing generation when it came right. to that kind of dancing. And then,
0: you know, he started having these chronic conditions and getting put on all this medication, and no one really knew what my father was able to do or what he liked to do. And my mother, the same way. My mother, Doris, was diagnosed with stage 3 ovarian cancer back in 1992. And then in 1994, like almost uh, two years uh, to the diagnosis. The day after, it was the day right after her 65th birthday, she lost her battle. But you can imagine, here I am, you know, son, the doctor, not only, you know, trained in obstetrics and gynecology, and I knew everything about ovarian cancer. You know, I knew all the biology and the pathology, and I knew all the treatments for ovarian cancer. But what I didn't know was the most powerful treatments, the lifestyle changes that she could have made, the nutritional changes that she could have made, even if it wasn't going to help her overcome, at least it would enable her to battle, to empower her to have that battle go on probably even longer than it than it did. And then patients. I mean, I, 10 years into the practice, you know, I had patients that were You know, getting put on medications that were gaining weight, that, you know, would come to me uh, and ask me questions about, you know, gee, doc, how how come I'm getting these problems and how long do I have to be on these medications? And this is where I didn't have any of those answers. And as a father, even, even in my own family, you know, Pamela and I, we were blessed with six children. We have three boys and three girls and no twins. A couple of
1: dogs. (laughs)
0: and we have a couple of dogs and here i am just doing my thing as i normally do because that's the way i was raised you know i thought i was eating healthy i thought i was taking good care of myself and if you saw me from the outside you would think that i was in pretty good shape but here i am even feeding these foods and 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 teaching my children the same things that i did when i was growing up the same things that i just kept doing i can remember Feeding my kids macaroni and cheese, for example. And I remember going to the store. Uh, As a young parent, and they love macaroni and cheese like most people, but they wouldn't eat like store brand macaroni and cheese. You know, they needed craft macaroni and cheese. So when it was on sale, I used to stock the cupboards at our house with macaroni and cheese so we would make sure because as a resident um, doctor, I wasn't making any money at all. And so I would always look for breaks in food and then we would stock it with craft macaroni and cheese. I didn't even know that foods like that were so toxic or even disease promoting foods. I like to call them even like fake foods. Like I wasn't even tuned into that because again, my traditional training um, to become an obstetrician gynecologist, I went to Tufts Medical School right in Boston, Massachusetts. And we got 21 hours of nutrition training. Yeah, I know there was a lot That's of all? biology, yeah. There was a lot of biology, a lot of anatomy that we had to learn, but they didn't emphasize the, 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 the power and the necessity to understand nutrition and talk to people about nutrition. And so only 21 hours in the four years of medical school was all we got. And they even pride themselves because they have the world renowned school of nutrition right next door to the med school. They they pride themselves at teaching the doctors those 21 hours because there's some medical schools that don't even get to that level. So all of this coming together, Laura, is where I then said maybe I signed up for the wrong thing. Maybe I'm really not doing what I set out to do as a, as a young physician, as a young doctor. So I took Pamela and I said, maybe we need to go and, and find another way to help people. And I looked at things like integrative medicine and I looked at functional medicine and preventative medicine. I went to all these courses and we had fun doing it. We got to travel around the country dabbling in these different fields, but it wasn't until I found lifestyle medicine And it made a lot of sense to me because this is what I was seeing not only in my practice, I was seeing it in my family, I saw it in my own parents, that there's choices that we make day in and day out. There's habits that we have that influence our health the strongest. And lifestyle medicine has put together the evidence so that we can as practitioners in lifestyle medicine use those modalities use those therapeutic modalities on patients lifestyle changes for them to reverse chronic disease then it's the chronic diseases that are killing most of the people in America it's the okay, diseases okay so, so right.
1: Hold, hold right there, there for it. a second Dr.
0: Yeah.
1: so you you know you talked about lifestyle medicine in there you talked about your dad, the really powerful story for you to all of a sudden go, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. And then seeing trends with your patients. And you also talked about nutrition. So for my listeners out there, how does say nutrition differ from lifestyle medicine? Because I think it often gets um sort of muddied up in there with Mm -hmm. that and i know there's a board certification for lifestyle medicine there's certifications in nutrition but i'm guessing that lifestyle medicine to you probably is a different definition than what my listeners would be interpreting it as
0: it's relatively new in in the practice of medicine Uh, somewhere around 2010 is where doctors started realizing that the leading causes of death weren't really diseases, but they were the lifestyle factors that led to those diseases. So lifestyle medicine is really based on six pillars. Nutrition, as you said, is so important, and that's the foundation. I mean, we really are what we eat. The, the atoms and molecules that make up our food are what our body uses to make up our, our cells, our tissue. So it's very important what we put in our body. So nutrition is kind of like the foundational pillar. And then the other pillars are physical activity, like how you move and what's the evidence of how much you should move to maintain your health. Or if they even talk about like moderate exercise, everyone heard that. How do you know like, what is moderate exercise? Like, how can you help people make the changes in their physical activity? And then how do patients manage their restoration? Like, like how, how are they doing with their sleep and sleep hygiene? What are they doing with stress management? How are they dealing with all the stresses that we deal with every single day? And then toxins. I mean, what are they putting in their bodies or exposing their bodies to that could be toxic and how do we avoid those toxins? And then the sixth pillar being community and having that positive communication, that positive relationship with people that you surround yourself with. And okay, so one, I got
1: five. Sorry. So
0: nutrition, physical activity, um, sleep, and stress management. Those are two separate. I mean, I call it. I oh, kinda, okay. I, I, I put them under an umbrella of restoration, that sleep and stress management. And then toxin avoidance, and then the community that you set up. What type okay. of positive um, relationships do you have? And how do you keep those relationships very positive to keep your mindset very positive? That, it, it has such influence uh, over our overall health. As you know, people that don't have those types of communities or those types of relationships that are withdrawn or possibly even depressed, it really influences all of their all of their health. So with those six modalities, to be a lifestyle medicine practitioner, yes, you have to study the evidence that makes those therapeutic. Like what is it that, what do you have to do? Like in nutrition, for example, being plant-based, you know, or plant forward, a lot of people like to call it. Uh, Does it mean, you know, you have to be vegan or you have to be vegetarian? Well, it all depends on what your goals are you know, the the types of nutrition plans that do reverse these chronic conditions like diabetes or like uh, heart disease are those very strict ones. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen
1: really unhealthy vegans and vegetarians. Right.
0: Because it's not just about not eating animal products. It's about choosing the right types of food, like staying away from processed food. So as Pamela and I developed a lifestyle medicine program because I was trying to do this lifestyle medicine in my OBGYN practice. And that just didn't work, you know, because it was a busy OBGYN practice and people, you know, women that go to see their obstetrician or or even their, for their gynecology visits, they know that it's busy and they only have maybe six or eight minutes with their doctor. How are you going to start telling people about lifestyle changes or even, even taking that deeper dive into their lifestyle, like I wish the doctors did with my father, to find out what their goals are and what they're doing to try to attain those goals. And how do you then change their path or alter their habits in order for them to achieve those goals? And so that's where the lifestyle board certification comes in, where now we know and we can say to them exactly what needs to be done what tweaks need to be done and you know can you go all in should you just make some little tweaks again it depends on where their readiness is and you know it was difficult as an ob-gyn to even you know approach them with anything because you know they're there to get their pap smear for example they're not there to talk about you know their lifestyle they're not there to talk about what they're eating so we took it out we started programs, Lifestyle Design MD, is the name of our program, six to eight week programs. You know, I I opened a separate office to see if I could, you know, get this into the community. And I used all the things that I normally knew of, like, you know, an insurance-based model, and that insurance-based model wasn't paying for all the counseling and all the programs that we were doing. So we actually had to close the doors to that practice. It wasn't sustainable. And so we set up communities virtually. We set up communities through social media um, and started even doing our programs uh, live when we could. But then when the pandemic hit and we took the programs virtually, uh, we started doing them online. Um, that, that worked out uh, a lot better, too. So um, that, that was the only way that I could see for me to be able to get that lifestyle teaching and that life, those, those habits out to the patients so they could change what they were okay. doing and improve it. Right.
1: We're going to go into the, the change in the practice a little bit yeah. more in a little bit. I want to step back to some of the things you were talking about and more. expand a couple of things on it. Now you talked about that. It wasn't sustainable in your practice and the women in the syrups getting their pap smears and whatever, you know, it's kind of hard to have that other conversation with Mm -hmm. them. Plus you just, as you said, the insurance-based model, it doesn't really work. You know, I've, I've been to functional medicine practitioners, integrative medicine, um, doctors, oriental medicine, traditional, and, and all of that. And I've done vegan, I've done vegetarian. I think I've done every version in between. And, I still don't feel like I've ever been able to reclaim my health. So for a lot of my listeners, they feel like really one more thing I have to try. Why can't somebody figure out what's going on for me? Everything everything that everybody talks about seems to work for say 70 or 80% of the population out of the box, but I'm a zebra versus The horse or I'm a unicorn in medical terms, that means you're not like everybody else. So we really kind of don't have time for you. Just deal. So what do you say to those people? Is there something that those of my listeners who have been struggling and have tried and have not done the the vegan or vegetarian that is highly carb loaded, you know, they've tried to follow those things. Are there things that my listeners need to do that can help actually help determine the right pathways for them. Mm-hmm. Cause you get, you can get very frustrated as mm-hmm. you've probably seen Dr. Dan. I mean, you saw it with your dad and your mom and you, you were a doctor.
0: Yeah. I, again, what you said is so true that it has to be individualized. It can't be one size fits all. One plan is for everyone. Yes, we know a lot about genetics today than we did even 25 years ago, and we're starting to understand those variations in genetics, how that affects the way you metabolize or how you um, expend your energy or utilize your energy. So a good lifestyle medicine practitioner doesn't just go after, let's say, you know, this is what you've got to do and write a prescription for a certain plan. They listen to the plan that the patient has, make a couple of tweaks to it to get them to where it needs to be, but also, let's say, but nutrition, for example, but also incorporating the other aspects of lifestyle medicine, like the physical activity pot, the sleep, the stress management, because they're all related, how you surround yourself with certain people. It's not just what you're eating. That is foundational, but it's also everything else that makes up our lifestyle. So I know that sounds kind of complicated, but it's not just getting on a certain diet, for example, or a certain nutrition plan. I don't like to talk about macronutrients. I heard you mention that you know many vegan nutrition plans are very carbohydrate dense or rich. Um, we don't eat macronutrients. We don't eat carbohydrates, fats and proteins. We eat food, and all food has those micronutrients in them, all three micronutrients, some a little heavier in one than the other, but they all have those. And I talk about real food. I'm not talking about eating processed food. So as I became a lifestyle medicine physician, I even came up with nutritional principles about how people should follow or what types of nutrition plans they should strive for, Um, like breaking up with dairy, you know, as an adult, we don't need dairy products in our lives. And it has the wrong fat, saturated fat. It has the wrong protein, a growth promoting protein called casein protein, which again, as our cells are damaged and need to be repaired, or even if our cells become abnormal, the last thing we want to do is to promote their growth and cause a cancer for example so dairy products aren't really in a plan that's going to reverse or prevent disease um, and then when you when when you know potting ways with meats or, or I, I like to say you know not just like you know eating chicken and fish and getting rid of red meat it really means all meat and using meat and maybe in the beginning you know as you're starting to change your your eating habits as a garnish, as something you just add. Think of your dinners as, you know, instead of uh, what are you having for dinner tonight? And the answer is what even when I was growing up, oh, we're having chicken or we're having meatloaf. And then you knew when, when your mother said that or whoever was making the meal, you knew what kind of went with that. You know, the chicken always came with rice and, and some green beans. The meatloaf, you know, always came with either roasted potatoes or mashed potatoes. You just Mashed knew.
1: potatoes, peas and corn.
0: <laughs> exactly. You just knew what was happening. So instead of that, you change and you start thinking of, well, dinner tonight, you know, I got that great you know, head of lettuce that I wanted to make this salad with some of those nuts and seeds that I have. And, um, you know, maybe incorporate some of the legumes like chickpeas or, or beans or, or edamame into that salad, you know, you know, or even some vegetables. I have some great leftover cauliflower and and broccoli from the night before. I'm going to chop that up and put it in my salad, even cold and include that with my, with my green leaves. And it's just a different way to think, so getting the rainbow of foods into your life is another one of my nutritional principles because all those phytonutrients that we see, you know, in our in, in all the different colors of the fruits and vegetables and legumes, they all provide micronutrients, not just the macronutrients, but all of the small minerals, vitamins, antioxidants uh, that help our bodies and our cells maintain their health, but even recover. From when they're damaged so it's important not just to say oh i'm going to eat vegan because i i like you laura i know a lot of vegans that are not healthy because yeah i mean potato chips beer french fries those things it's are all vegan, vegan. <laughs> all vegan that doesn't mean that they're not you know harming you or that they're toxic to you they are very toxic to you you know knowing your fats how do you know how to choose the right fats um
1: okay well, well with thing, all of with all of that, those yeah, those, so, those so principles you
0: gotta help them with the principles of nutrition. Yes, and then incorporate what their physical activity is like. What are they doing day and? It doesn't mean. You ha- and I like the word physical activity instead of exercise because it doesn't mean you have to join the gym and go and get on a treadmill or a stationary bike. Okay, it really means but before
1: somebody starts doing all of that, Doctor yeah. Dan. Are there things they should be checking for? Like, I know my mom, who's passed away going on five years now, she had a heart condition and blood clots. So yep. I couldn't cook her broccoli. We couldn't do a lot of green leafy anything. Um, she loved them, but it would probably kill her, you know? Well, and she it was, was on.
0: That she was yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause she was on blood thinners because right. she literally clotted so right. much and she had a heart condition. So, um, to keep her off a lot of the medications except the stuff needed to, you know, correct conditions that couldn't be corrected in other ways. You know, I, I had to learn nutrition for her. Right? Yes. So are there things cause you know, I, I worry that my listeners sometimes when I have a guest on like you, they just Dive right in and they go, okay, um, I'm just going to start eating green leafy everything and cauliflower and I'm going gluten free and I'm cutting out dairy. But if you completely cut out dairy and vitamin D and some other thing, calcium and you have osteoporosis, you know, that could be a problem unless you balance it. So I, I want to just go back to some basics if we can about before somebody engages into some of these things. Or, you know, or does it not matter? I think it I think it matters from personal experience with people who are coming off of chronic issues. You can't just take your dad off 17 medicines. No. But people think, oh, I'm just gonna get off the medicines if I eat healthy. So what are some things that they need to think about
0: yeah.
1: to so then we can go deeper into these other things, but I, I wanna caution people, you can't just no. cold turkey everything.
0: No, you make a good point, Laura, and most of what lifestyle medicine is, even through the programs that Pamela and I do, is coaching, and you need to have somebody that understands you totally before you start creating the plan you're going to be on that includes the nutrition plan, the physical activity plan, et cetera. You have to have somebody that can take the time and take you through that, and um, Yes, it could be a physician like myself, it could be a health coach and then tell your physician that you're working with the health coach so that they can combine what you know their knowledge sets and, and they will understand what each one of them is doing to keep you safe while you're transitioning your life. you know no one's gonna say yes, people that are on blood thinning medication, The reason why they're on that blood thinning medication is because they had these chronic conditions, the cardiovascular disease, for example, that causes you to have blood clotting issues because of the inflammatory environment that they were living in for so long in their blood vessels, having that, having that environment, causing that inflammation, causing that malfunction, for example, if she, let's say, had a heart you know, arrhythmia or dysrhythmia. And that was her risk of having, you know, the blood clots. Uh, and adri- my
1: mom was a heavy smoker for a and lot a of- a heavy
0: smoker, causing more blood clotting problems. Again, the toxins like cigarettes, removing those toxins, and then, you know, even changing the diet slowly, monitoring those, those levels of uh, blood clotting so that- we can take them slowly off of those medications, not quitting a cold turkey. The same for diabetics. You know, when you get the insulin resistance uh, through your life because of the inflammatory environment that your body is living in, because you're a little overweight, causing your insulin not to work well. Sometimes you're not making enough insulin, but the receptors are so damaged, clogged up with both the fat and the inflammation that's occurring in the cells, that it just doesn't work the same way. So you got to kind of turn that inflammation around slowly and then wean the, the patient off that diabetic medication. But I have had patients with high blood pressure and diabetes where I've been able to do that. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't even happen in the six or eight week course. But as they join the community, And they continue to come back and be part of this change, that's when they do it. And it it might take up to you know six, eight, ten months before they really see that difference, not only in their weight and their level of energy that they feel, that they're that they're actually in control, that they have a knowledge that is so much greater, that's where they start making the difference.
1: So it it sounds like that if somebody has health issues Mm -hmm. and they're considering making a change, number one, they need to find a doctor that's going to listen to them. Yes. And it may not be their current doctor. It may be their current doctor. And maybe their doctor doesn't do lifestyle medicine, but they should work in conjunction with somebody who has not necessarily accreditation board certified MD, because you said health coach, right. but if they're going to pick a health coach, because I know I've met some health coaches that I look at them and talk to them and I'm like, oh, you passed a, a, a three-week course right. <laughs> and right. you're declaring yourself a health coach. So what should somebody look for in their doctor to see if they'd be open to the conversation of lifestyle with their medications? Because I've met doctors who are like, no, I, I'm sorry, I won't run this particular piece of blood work for you, even though it may tell us something. <laughs> Um, just because you're working with a nutritionist or somebody to help. So can you think of some questions or some things that they could ask to help them find a you if they're not in Massachusetts? And, of course, I want them to join your Facebook group, which has wonderful, wonderful information. I know.
0: I know. Um, so I know. Well, the great place to start is right at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine's website. Uh, it's lifestylemedicine.org. And that's the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And on there, they have a directory and you can put your state in and you can find all of the people, not just physicians that are either board certified in lifestyle medicine, but you can even find those health coaches. Because to be a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, it's not a requirement that you have to be a physician. Um, There are many physicians in there, but I can remember when we first started, when I first joined the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, Pamela and I went to uh, one of their inaugural meetings. It was their second meeting uh, way back 2012, where they had an independent uh, organization called the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and there were 50 people in the room, five zero. Okay. And just last year, when they had to do it virtually, there was over 2,500 people online taking the course, um, their their yearly uh, course that they give to help everyone understand where they have presenters then that present the data and help teach us uh, all about these practices of lifestyle changes that we can help our patients with. Where is the data? How do we find it? And so that organization is a great tool to have to find a lifestyle medicine practitioner that's Great. what that would do and they're okay. everywhere like I said it's well well over 2,000 probably even over 4,000 that are there not they don't all come to the conference but that are involved with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine so they're all over the country so you can find them okay. um, but then just ask some questions like um, you know when the doctor uh, gives you, let's say, says your cholesterol's high. We we did a screening test, and your cholesterol's high, and I want you to take this medication. When they say that to you, the simple question is, okay, I I I'll do what you ask me to do, but what else can I do? And see what else they say, and they say, well, change your diet, and get some exercise. A quick answer like that, like most docs, when I was in medical school, I heard that over and over again, that doorknob comment, you know, lose some weight and, and, you know, increase your exercise. We heard all the time, but they don't tell people specifically what they can do. Find out what they're doing now and how they can change some of those habits into better habits that will enable them not to have to take that medication. How do they bring their cholesterol down or what caused that cholesterol to be high in the first place?
1: Okay, I mean, I had a friend who is, is heavy, you know, yes. like I am, but he literally runs like almost 10 miles a day. Yes. He's incredibly active. He eats so healthy, but yet nothing he does works. And the doctor's like, well, lose some weight and get some exercise. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. what else do I need to yeah. do? He was oh. saying.
0: Right. Where's his stress? How's his sleep? Okay. You know, mine's what,
1: non-existent, by the way. You
0: know, what's his hormonal levels? The, okay. Look at that. See what? How his his thyroid? Uh, how his pituitary gland? How his adrenal glands are all in balance, and and maybe not in balance. And so, how can we better that? Um, so, so, asking
1: the doctors those questions of now that they've got some of that stuff from you, yes. Yeah.
0: Being and able and the to data's say. been out. The data's been out for years. And yet, you know, we are trained in medical school and in our residency programs how to treat people with medications or procedures and not so much how to treat them with lifestyle changes. That's what was getting to me that I just didn't have the answers. The medications, because of what I knew about my dad, I just what that's not the answer.
1: It's like a band-aid. Uh, it's, it's a, it helps a symptom, but not getting to the root cause. And they
0: can be life-saving. I don't want to throw medications under the bus because they can be life-saving. Yeah, they saved my in, life. In the emergency. Or or let's just say, you know, for me to do all the surgeries that I did in, in gynecology and even in obstetrics, I mean, if it wasn't for medication, we wouldn't be able to perform those things. But right. that's, you know, the chronic diseases, you know, the big four, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and cancer yes, cancer even, um, all caused or at least 90% caused by lifestyle choices that we make and that we can avoid those conditions. And those four kill more than 80% of Americans every single year. Those are the big four. And it's because of how we live in this society, what we're eating, what we're doing for activities, You know that commute back and forth to work. No one has any time to fit in any physical activity. Well, maybe it is, you know, parking the car a little further away, getting to work a little earlier and walking that mile, you know, away, you know, parking away from your office and walking or taking the stairs, Uh, you know, good rule, up two, down three, you know, every time you have to go up two flights, take the stairs, don't take the elevator. Anytime you have to go down three, take the stairs, not the elevator. Those kinds of rules make a big difference.
1: It's really funny because in Florida, there's like so few stairs. (laughs) I have I one know. of the few all houses in Florida with
0: stairs, you know? I know. I know. But it's <laughs> growing up in New
1: York, it's there's stairs everywhere up there, <laughs> you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um okay. it's so, little
0: tweaks that make a difference. All
1: right. You mentioned sleep as yes. a big thing in stress. Mm-hmm. I know I don't sleep well at all. But yet if you throw me on steroids, I sleep like a baby. Yes. Okay. Weirdly, um like I, I'm that zebra out there. For a lot of my listeners, I'd probably say sixty percent of my listeners tell me all the time, "What do you use to get to sleep, Laura?" You know, or they ask my guests, you know, any thoughts on how to get better sleep? You know, and they've done the no screens, you know, yeah. trying to set bedtimes, not yeah. eating before a certain hour. A big thing is my brain won't shut off. I I'm, I want to go to sleep, and I'm like. Wide open for those of you who couldn't see me on camera. I'm pretending I'm wide open, which makes it even worse because I had my eyes dilated shortly before this. So it's kind of fun right now. But sleep seems to be something probably because of stress, Mm -hmm. right? That affects everybody. My listeners say, I've tried different kinds of meditation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to help. What, What do you say to them and what can they ask to get some help? Because a lot of doctors just want to give you a pill or melatonin or something like that.
0: Yeah, you know that, that it's a huge problem. Again, the hygiene, sleep hygiene, is what you're talking about when you say you you don't look at your screens for two hours before you go. You make sure the room is all dark. You make sure there's no screens in the room, no TVs. You know the bedroom is for sleeping and sex, and that's it. Not to watch TV, not to work on your computer. So when you get the good sleep hygiene. You start automatically, just automatically telling your body that message that it's now time for sleep and your body will start to shut down. One of the interesting things I learned in, life, in lifestyle medicine from the sleep experts that I've read and listened to is the more important thing than going to bed at the right time is that you consistently wake up at the right time, at the same time. And those times that you sleep in, or, you know, even the days that you don't have to be at the job, for example, still wake up early and get some things done, but start your day at the same time. When you do that, you tend to go to bed at the same time too. Your body gets tired at the end of the day. So start early, get your body activated at the same time every day is a great way to get a better night's sleep the next night. Um, So yeah, getting into that habit. So doing these few things, getting the room nice and cool. It seems like 66 degrees and people don't turn their thermostat down. I mean, even like in the wintertime, keep it cool in the room. Your body wants to cool down to get a good night's sleep and slow everything down in your body. And it does that uh, during that cool down process and the heart rate comes down and that's how you get that restorative deep sleep when you're in that zone. Um, For those but,
1: of us post menopause,
0: even post menopause, it's like yeah.
1: you know. <laughs> I know
0: that's difficult because the hot, hot flashes are happening. I know, and, and the urinary issues are getting you up. You know, with the with the with the bladder uh, symptoms that post menopausal women have commonly. So it's all these different things that okay. interrupt our sleep. So just working on getting that. So the dark room is important, even if you have to wear uh, you know blinders. If you have to wear those uh, eye eye covers uh, to get it really dark and maybe some quiet, you know, white noise uh, in the background uh, to really try to set that bedroom up. If, it, if you're really having difficulty, every single piece of that sleep hygiene should be met before you try to, you know, use any type of medications. Some of the simple ones that work great too, that aren't medications, most Americans are magnesium Depleted and magnesium help our muscles and our nerves relax. And so, you know, 400 milligrams of magnesium is what we need every day. So, taking a dose of 400 milligrams of magnesium before bedtime, 30 minutes to 45 minutes before you want to go to sleep, is another great way to even naturally. Uh, enable your body to any get any
1: specific magnesium because there's several different forms I know, of magnesium. I know. and
0: the way our gut absorbs magnesium is tricky too. So that each type of magnesium, whether it's magnesium carbonate, magnesium um, citrate, magnesium glycinate, all of them get absorbed differently and have different receptors. So when you get a magnesium supplement, for example get one that has many different types because they get absorbed at different rates and in yeah. the magnesium uh, glycinate is also very unique because that glycine that, that makes it the magnesium salt using glycine that's why it's called glycinate gets cleaved off and enables you know the the magnesium to penetrate the blood brain barrier than the other types of magnesium Like magnesium carbonate. Um, So you get even more central nervous system relaxation. And then that glycinate even inhibits those excitatory neurotransmitters like epinephrine and norepinephrine. It suppresses them so that you get better relaxation. Those nerves aren't being excited and you can relax and get that parasympathetic nervous system for you to rest and digest and get a good night's sleep.
1: That's really interesting information because, you know, I'm familiar with the different forms of magnesium mm-hmm. and I think I've tried like every different kind mm-hmm. and I haven't tried one that has several different ones yet. Mm-hmm. I find that sometimes the spray-on magnesium seem to work better for me yeah. than some of the oral ones. Right. But not a lot of people are talking about look at the form of your, your magnesium. And I know that too much magnesium can cause bathroom runs of a different than urinary kind.
0: Right. Especially Um, the kinds that don't get absorbed very quickly, like magnesium carbonate. Magnesium carbonate, you know, is a great cathartic. It's a great, you know, uh, medication or treatment for people that are constipated. So.
1: Okay. All right. Since we're getting, starting to get close on time, we've covered a lot of different things. Um, and and we could talk for hours about the different things and, and I'm because lifestyle medicine
0: is so interesting because yeah. it's what we're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. you just gotta know, you know, first of all, have your goals because everybody's goals are different. And then with those goals, how are you gonna achieve those goals? What is it that you have to do? If it is losing weight, let's let's take a look at, you know, what it is you need to do to lose but weight. But that if it might not just be
1: the food.
0: Yeah. It could be not toxins
1: or something else. Right.
0: And then when you look at the food, it's not just calories either because you're looking at the density, the nutritional density of the food. Are you eating nutritionally dense food with the, all of the phytochemicals, all of the minerals and antioxidants and, and vitamins that our cells need? I think in the cellular level, what is it that your body's missing? Or what is it that your body is seeing? What are those toxins that are damaging your cells and not enabling them to perform to their best? And when you get rid of those toxins and you give it more nutrient density, then then that's kind of like the magic potion. That's where you so you have to understand food. You have to understand how to recognize processed food, man-made food new-to-nature new to molecules that the food industry puts into food for to pr- preserve them, to keep them on the shelves longer, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, does it mean you got to chop more vegetables when you're eating? Well, if you don't like to chop vegetables, go buy the vegetables chopped. <laughs> you know, they sell them chopped too. So it's just, you know, making those choices and sticking with it and then seeing how you feel. People can do whatever for, you know, six weeks, eight weeks and just see how you feel because Certain changes like this, uh, you'll feel the difference in a short period of time. It doesn't take years. It takes a couple of weeks. But when you feel different, that's when, you know, that's when a, a lifestyle medicine practitioner gets all excited that now, yes, that little bolt of lightning goes off in their head and now they're part of that plan. Now they're, they bought into that plan and that's it's so good.
1: And pick it sounds like you're saying also of like the six pillars, nutrition, exercise, restoration, which includes sleep and stress, toxins and community, maybe start with one thing that maybe might be the biggest um, peg for you, whether it's a toxic environment or you're eating more processed, whatever, or maybe you've got mold in your house or or something like that. Right. Or if it's sleep but I know food has a lot to do, and toxins have a lot to do with sleep as well.
0: Yes, they're so, all connected. That's why those six pillars are so important. Okay. But community—don't avoid that community. And Laura, like you said, you know, Pamela and I have set up that Facebook group. You know, it's called um, what is it? Uh, it's called Got it
1: sleep at the. Oh, I just spelled it wrong too. I just realized that.
0: <laughs> it's plant-based lifestyle ambassadors. Plant-based just, lifestyle ambassadors on Facebook. Uh, Great group. I'm always amazed, too, how much people know uh, in the group. Uh, We share so much information. It's not just recipes. It's even all of the other lifestyle modalities, too, that people are talking about their sleep and talking about their physical activity and posting all kinds of fun things they're doing. And that, again, positive relationship, that positive interaction that we have in that group is just so uplifting. Um, and it's not, you know, we, Emma and I are the leaders in the group, but the people are actually leading themselves and, and helping each other. And there's this there's, there's huge power in that kind of community, this huge power when you have, you know, um, uh, peers that are, that are helping you along. Okay. You can see their success.
1: Yeah. And there's lots of great recipes and people yeah. put pictures and they're always willing to say how they cooked it. And you and yes. Pam are always looking out there. And for anybody who's watching the video one, I did a typo on ambassadors because I was trying to type as I was paying attention around my microphone. So apologize for that. But on Facebook, plant based lifestyle ambassadors, mm-hmm. uh, just search for that in Facebook. Now, you switched your practice from... Well, we knew they were going to start at some point. (laughs) Um, So, you switched your practice from the traditional model of you see a patient, bill insurance, it's a short kind of thing, to not exactly a concierge model, which we've seen, I've seen, things from $1,500 to $15,000 a year for the privilege, basically, of, of seeing somebody. Um, what made you decide to do the switch? Was it because you had seen that trying to do the lifestyle along with the traditional practice didn't work? And you're doing a subscription, so it makes it affordable. What does that right. look like? And how might somebody find somebody like you if they don't live near you?
0: The uh, model is called direct primary care, where it is a subscription-based service, like you said, where a patient pays monthly for the care. And in different areas of the country, it's it's different amounts of money that are required, even depending on the specialist. Um, me being a gynecologist, I'm providing women's health. And so the, I'm, my practice is called direct women's health, and I provide all the gynecology care, but because I keep the number of patients low, you don't have to have these big huge patient panels like the my old traditional um, insurance-based practice. I can then spend more time not only providing the gynecology care and even diving deeper into their gynecological problems, but also incorporating lifestyle medicine and what the care is going to entail to achieve That lifestyle that that patient wants and desires. So it's a a way that I'm able to now take insurance out of the equation, bring the patient care back heavily into the equation, and make it affordable for everybody by making it a subscription base, not this, you know, you, you have to have, like you said, the privilege of going to a doctor and paying them all this money This way, yes, the doctor needs to be compensated in order to, you know, be a yeah absolutely
1: have that
0: access. But also, the direct patient care model gives the patient that access. So we text message with each other, you know, we uh, email with each other, we you know call the doctor anytime, and you know you're going to get your doctor because you. You align yourself with that doctor, and some there's a couple of three doctors that are involved. So you align yourself with that practice. But with mine, Direct Women's Health, um, my practice is me. You know, and when you sign up, you will have me. When you call me on the phone, I'm the one that gives you the answer. But the way for me to do that, and the way for me to provide that, I have to keep the numbers low, so it's going to be in that you know five hundred range, not you know, 3,000 range of patients that I'm taking care of. Right. So it's okay. longer appointments, it's more, you know, accessibility, and it's, you know, that doctor that will provide the type of care you're looking for. That okay, and you, care.
1: you do it in conjunction with healthcare insurance in case there's testing That somebody might need lab work or imaging or surgery or or something. So when a
0: patient joins a direct primary care practice, I like to call it direct patient care because for myself as a gynecologist, I'm not going to be her primary care doctor. I can help her with a lot of her primary care needs through lifestyle medicine, but she needs a primary care doctor in case she needs other specialists, for example. And that's where her insurance will kick in let's say she has a, you know, broke her leg skiing for example, you know, she needs, hopefully not, (laughs) you can't go pay cash for that orthopedic surgeon, you need to have your insurance. So mostly it's that, you know, catastrophic or high deductible type of insurance that they can carry if they're using a direct primary care practice, um, because the primary care doctor does provide a lot of the basic services that uh, that they're going to need. Or if you have to have, like you said, the blood work done, or imaging studies is another reason why the insurance needs to be there also because those costs would be prohibitively expensive. For patients that don't have insurance, direct primary care can be an answer also because we have access to a lot of discounted uh, lab work. You know, we make different contracts than the insurance companies do with the labs. Okay. get different pricing because they know it's out-of-pocket pricing. Same thing for imaging. So even if you don't have insurance, the savings that you're going to have through a DPC practice, a direct primary care practice, could be substantial than what you would invest in for a broad-based insurance program.
1: Is there some website like the lifestylemedicine.org mm-hmm. to that – You could find direct primary care practices? Yes. Um,
0: Some of my favorites, DPC Frontier is a great website that explains all about what DPC practices are like, and then they have a map on there uh, that will map out where you can find DPC practices in every state, and it'll even describe and give you the links to that practice so that you can contact those practitioners that you want to contact.
1: All right. Yeah. And if somebody has questions for you or wants to get involved with your practice, if you're in the, I think you're in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Yes, right? just,
0: just north of Boston, about 12, 13 miles north of Boston. Um, if, you know, my website now, the Direct Woman's Health, it's a new practice. The website's not up, but my other website, um is a great website that you can find about all my services. And if you wanted to email us, you can email us at info at danielwardkowski md.com. So, danielwardkowski md, all one word, com is the website.
1: Okay. And I think that is up there correctly, spelled correctly this time. Right. Unlike the Facebook <laughs> one where I, impo- I put ambassador, ambassador ordered. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Any last thoughts you'd before? like to leave my. Yeah. Last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with or a question you suggest they ask themselves or their doctors. Yeah.
0: Well, one of the things that Pamela and I also developed in our program, which I think is so great for patients, because, again, it goes back to the way we were brought up. And I mentioned earlier when you were thinking about what's for dinner. And if I asked my mother what's for dinner and she said chicken, I knew exactly what that dinner was going to be. And I realized, too, that my mother only had about five or six dinners that she prepared over and over again. Uh, and there's only a certain so many ways that she prepared her chicken. Only two, maybe three ways at most that she made chicken. But meatloaf always came out the same way. So I knew that there were these five dinners that my mother just kind of rotated Uh through the week, you know, through the weeks or as she was planning out the meal plan for the for the family. So Pamela and I took that idea and we developed what we call the three, four, five meal plan. And that's a great way for people to think, to simplify their nutrition plan and to be able to then start a new nutrition plan that is more lifestyle based, that is more plant based or plant forward. And you can go to 345 Meal Plans with an S, all one word, 345MealPlans.com. And I don't know if you can put that link up, Laura, too. And you can download this small uh, book or this small guide that Pamela and I put together, and it shows you what our three, four, five plan is here in our house with our family. And it's it's remarkable how that alone will change your life. People say, how can you eat the same things over and over again? Well, you know, you're going to go out with friends or you're going to go to a friend's house and that's where you get your variety. That's where you're going to have variation in your plan. But it's nice to know that when you come home, no one's saying, "Uh uh-oh, what's for dinner? Because when you develop a three, four, five meal plan, you always have those three breakfasts, those four lunches, those five dinners at the ready. You know that your pantry and your refrigerator has those ingredients that you can create one of those meals. And so it takes all the worry out about what you're going to eat and how you're going to eat a healthy meal because you've done the work. You've, you've created this three, four, five meal plan that's going to take you the rest of your life. When you look at people that are living to 100, and we all want to live to 100, right, Laura? But we don't want to live- As
1: long as we're vibrant and healthy. We
0: don't want to live to 100 like we see most 100-year-olds. We want to live to 100 and live, 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 then die, right? Just to fall off the cliff someday. But how do we do that? We do that with these habits that we need to form. And when you look at the centurions all over the world, They eat very simply. They eat a lot of the same things over and over again. So, getting some of those ideas, creating a three, four, five meal plan would be a great way to start to try to. I love that. Yeah. So, go to three, four, five meal plans.com and get the guide.
1: Yeah. All right. I put that link up and we've got the other links up and I'll make sure they're also included in the post for those on podcasts who couldn't see the graphics down at the bottom of the, the video. I will make sure that they are also in all the copy for everybody. And, um, I don't know if you know this, Dr. Dan, but on the, on my, the it's all about the questions.com website. People can actually listen to the show along with the transcript. Oh, great. So the transcript of the show, so they can listen, follow, or just read it, because uh, having had some issues where for a while I had to basically walk around with (laughs) not listening to anything due to an ear injury that I had. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I realized there was a whole portion of the population that they can't listen to things, whether they're deaf or have other things, other issues. So, why not let them read along That's great. with the show? That's great. So, they'll be able to see that. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and to Teresa Waggett for um, making sure that uh, I got connected to you. Well, so
0: thank you so the pleasure much. pleasure was mine, Laura. And that anytime I can talk about the things that can make people healthy, I love taking the stage to do that. So thank you very much for the opportunity to be here and spread the word.
1: Ah, oh, It's such great information. I love the questions you taught us to ask. So thank you so much You're for welcome. being here. You know that I'm always on a journey to figure out my own health, everybody with my ear injuries and all the other stuff that's going on. So when I meet people that I find are the real deal that really care about helping somebody find the solution for them, not just the solution for the other 60%, but they're willing to find what will work for you to move that dial for your health, I like to have them on the show. So that's why Dr. Dan Witkowski was on the show today. And I hope that you find somebody who can help you in your own health journey. Remember, one of the ways you can do that is by asking the right questions, because the right questions can change your life. Have a great day, everyone. I'm excited to see what this new seventh season will unveil as the year goes on.
0: You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.